Hi, welcome to episode seven of the Black and Fashion Podcast. Ooh, seven, seven episodes in? I'm doing my thing. Well, as my mother would say, fuck fizzle. Um, <laughs> so uh, this episode is going to be about working in the fashion industry. Uh, I want to talk about some of the challenges um, to like get your foot through the door. Challenges like once you're inside of a position. Um, challenges when it comes to applying and some things that um, I think uh, would be great advice. Um, and um, I want to just share like my story as well as my experiences and hopefully it can inspire and motivate some of you guys to not exactly walk in my footsteps but just take some of the uh, tips that I have um, for this really really cutthroat industry. Um, I think I talked a lot about entrepreneurship so uh, today I really really want to discuss like working with other like working in the industry opposed to you know creating your own lane um, I do think that when working in the industry there is a lot of opportunity there for growth for learning for networking for making contacts and honestly um, witnessing some of your employers mistakes um, opposed to spending your money and making mistakes and um, making the wrong investments and um, this is my story so I moved to New York actually I don't even know if I should start in New York okay let's go back a little bit because I think this all will help and apply I actually started in the fashion industry on the retail level when I was in high school and I worked at Wet Seal when I was in high school and then when I got to college I worked at Wet seal, seal. Um, I got, I got my job. I kept my job even when I was going away. And then after wet seal, I think I worked at Aldo. I worked at um, Banana Republic, which is where I actually got my first managerial position. And I legit got to be in a manager role at Banana Republic within maybe nine months of working there. I got promoted, and then I probably was a manager maybe a whole two to three months before I decided like you know what this is not for me and I left and I started to work at Akira Chicago now the transition from banana and Akira I applied for a managerial role at Akira opposed to applying for a sales social role, knowing that I had only had three months of managerial experience so I was definitely overly ambitious within this role but I knew for a fact that I could do it so my advice, just in this little tip, when it's, it's okay to embellish on your resume. When I actually, I never put that I was a sales associate Banana Republic on my resume. I put my last standing position, and my last standing position was actually a managerial role. All employers don't need to know exactly how much time you were in each role. So it made it look like I had been a manager for a year. So I went into a cure in a managerial role. Now, within the managerial world, because I didn't have as much experience, I really did have to wing it, and I really did have to, like, learn as I went, which was fine because being a manager is not that hard. Most companies have managerial training. They have seminars, and they have conferences with, um, with like, other managers and, like, leadership experts to kind of get you to where you need to be managerial. Came through that store. Uh, they gave me my own store 
within four months. And I opened up the first Akira store in Hyde Park, which actually was a predominantly black neighborhood and is an area that I'm from in Chicago. So it was, I would say it was pretty easy to kind of get that store off the ground. I hired, trained, and developed the entire team and I went with it. Now, within this type of role, and like this is something I learned within leadership roles when working in the fashion industry as a whole, it's very imperative that you be assertive, not aggressive, but also not passive. And this is something that I learned in this managerial role. One of the other requirements was that we read this book called How to Win Friends and Influence Others. And it really helps you understand the way people think and the way people learn and how also that you train and develop different type of personalities as well. Now, I take this into any fashion industry role to this day. When you're working within the fashion industry, you're going to deal with so many different types of people and so many different walks of life and different ages, like you name it. So it's very important that whether you're in an assistant level role or a managerial or even an associate level role, that you know how to convey your thoughts, communications via email and in person um, in an assertive manner, opposed to being aggressive or even passive. Now, past Akira, I went to Halston. I became a manager there. And then once I was at Halston, I decided that I wanted to move to New York, go get my master's in fashion management and merchandising. And that's what I did. So I probably was at Halston maybe seven months, like not even enough time to really get my foot in the door. So um, I got to New York. I got a job. My first job was at Danny New York. I was, I applied for the a what was it a workroom manager for like a sewing and tailoring company it was a high-end company because all of their expensive accounts were like Gucci, Lanvin, Brunello, Cuccinelli and um, we would go into the stores to give fit seminars give training seminars to the sales associates on how to fit garments and then we would come to the store once a week or twice a week and do um, fittings um, for a lot of their high-end things and then I also was in charge of sales only because I had like a sales and a managerial background to bring in new accounts I actually closed the Emilio Zegna account as well as the live on account I stayed there maybe nine months after that, I went to a place called Pukia Sebastian, probably the one of the worst retailers in New York City to work for, and I definitely should have listened to the Glassdoor reviews. Um, they were very accurate. Um, it was a shitty-ass company with shitty-ass employees with shitty-ass management, and I learned from there that you really, when looking and applying for a job, you really do need to pay attention to what the company has a reputation of. I ignored those things and I still moved forward. In the, in the way I left was exactly the same way that I wrote and read in those reviews. When someone's turnover rate is like really, really high, it's not the, all the employees that's working there. It's the company, whether it be the benefits, the cattiness, uh, the, the money, anything beside it. So maybe their three months went to Saks maybe a month went to where did I work after that uh oh uh truth of touch and I worked there then I worked and I worked at truth of touch maybe eight or nine months then I went from truth of touch to HPD uh HPD maybe eight months then I went to Woodland Trading maybe two months then I went to G3 I think maybe three months <laughs> then I went to Carolina Samarlac where I worked there for a year and a half that's probably my longest standing one and then I went on to Almost Famous Apparel and then I went on to what was the last one where I'm at now PPI Group now I say all that to say that I do not believe in oh you have to stay at a company for 
a year or two years or anything of that sort. And I really believe this because at the end of the day, most of the companies um, in fashion are at will companies, which means they can fire you at any point and it does not matter. So why hold your loyalty to them when they don't have any loyalty to you? And also when you remain complacent in a position, it's really hard for you to get ahead. If you jump around and of course the employer, you're going on interviews and they're asking you, oh, well, you were only here six months or you were only here three months. I have the the best answer for that and that's honestly just by being honest is you know what I worked there I felt out the position it wasn't for me and that's okay it's okay to tell someone that if something wasn't right for you you have to spend 40 to 60 hours a week at a position you need to be somewhere where you're actually enjoying getting up and going there every day and it's okay to say it just wasn't it wasn't what I wanted to do or that they pulled the old beta switch on you. You know, sometimes during interviews, they sell you one thing, and then when you actually get there, it's like the complete opposite. And it's okay to say that as well. Or say, you know, in life, things change. You know, I've left a job and went to another job because of where I was living. And I may have been living with a boyfriend, and then I'm like, okay, I need to get away from him, and I need to make more money. So I need to switch jobs so I can make more money. So if that's the case, you say I had life changes that caused me to want to go somewhere where I knew that I could make money. Now, when jumping from position to position to position, I was able to move myself up the ladder and make more money. So when I was at HPD, no, when I was at Truth of Touch, I was a product development and merchandise assistant. And I did outerwear and I did handbags. And when I moved uh, from there, I went to HPD and I did a production assistant for a hosiery and um, I think leggings and stuff like that. And we did like intimate apparel as well. Now, when I left as a production assistant and I went to G3, even though I'd only been there seven months, I went to G3 because it was a production associate role in order to excel, you know, you can, you can stay in the position if you want to, but I'm just, this is just my advice on excelling is to jump around the need to like not be loyal to anyone, but your own growth at the end of the day. So I went from being a production assistant to a production associate, to a production coordinator, to a production manager in a year and a half. So what I'm basically trying to say is that not lie, but embellish. So in each one of those roles, every, anything that I did, I wrote it down in the description. Like I did this, I did this, I did this, because it doesn't really matter how long you've done something. If your skill set is there, it's there. And I know that when applying for um, production management roles, um, design, assistant design, they say that they want all of this experience. But to be honest, every company that you fall into, they're going to train you to do things the way that they want it done. So don't be frightened by what they have in their job descriptions. If someone says I need five to seven years of experience somewhere, I apply anywhere. I don't have five to seven five to seven experience anywhere. Like so, but I apply anyway. I don't let that deter me. And I've gotten retail jobs. I've gotten merchandising jobs, product development, production manager jobs, and I never had like what the requirement was. Like when you get to an interview and you're speaking, long as you know what you're doing, or if you can fucking fake it, because I've done that too and like don't know shit and make it sound like you know some shit, you can get the job, I promise you. And then once you get there, they're going to teach you everything you need to know anyway. So don't don't be stagnant. Don't be afraid to jump into a role. Now, once you're in a role, every job that I have had, I would probably say I was the only black woman in the in that place. Yeah, especially when you're working in production. And design, 
and in production in the New York City Garment District is really filled with a lot of Asians because most of the things are made overseas. So you find yourself having to be uh, better, uh, you know, just as sharp. And we all know Asians are sharp when it comes to that math. So if you're working at like costing and like development logistics and stuff like that, that's something that you gotta be. And I mean, a lot of the designers are, you know, they're Hispanic, they're white. So when you're like that token black person in your office, you do need to shine and be better and be greater than everyone else in there. And I say that to say because I say that because there are already a lot of odds against us as it is as being an African American in the fashion industry. So when you go to work every day, you do need to go to work with that presence and you have to go to work with that integrity and really wanting to be there and really showing them what you can do. I was in a position not that long ago where I was a production manager and I was interviewing assistants and one of the young ladies that I interviewed told me that I was the first black woman to interview her and she's had, you know, just as, probably just as many jobs as me. And I thought it was very interesting because it made me realize that there's not a, a lot of African-American women in positions of power in the fashion industry. And actually, my current job, my boss is an African-American woman, and she's also my first boss to be an African-American woman in a position of power as well. And I do feel that when you have those type of positions that you should uplift and want to bring people uh, that are like you in because it's already hard for us as it is. Now, I have interviewed some African-Americans that I felt that I needed to give them feedback, even though I knew I wasn't going to hire them, just of the way that they presented themselves. Don't ever come to an interview with denim on. I had one person come to an interview. They had on denim. First of all, they texted me um, because my number was on, I think it was like on our breakdown on our website. They texted me and told me that they were running late which was already like a red flag to me. Like, first of all, yep, my number is here, but don't text me before an interview and tell me that you're on your way. You call the office and you tell them that you're running late or you send an email and tell them that you're running late. So I already had a bad text in my mouth anyway before the candidate even came into the door. And then when the candidate came, they did not have a copy of the resume. Um, they just were very, very ill-prepared. And I was, you know, I was very upset because I'm like, damn, like, you're another African-American. I would love to bring you in, train you, coach you, develop you. And But the way you came into this interview is completely uh, unacceptable. Didn't know anything about the company. Didn't ask me any questions. And during the interview, it should always be give and take. There should be no interview process where they're consistently asking you a whole bunch of questions and you don't have any feedback for them or you don't have anything to say because you should have done your research on the company in order to know what they're looking for and what you're going to bring to the table. And just like they're looking for the best candidate, you should be looking for the best employer too. So you need to ask just as many questions as they ask. Um, when they ask you, do you have questions? I usually have a whole notebook full of questions like what's your turnover rate? Why do you like working here? If I was offered the position, how long do you need? So it doesn't feel like you're so needing like oh I need to get this I need to get this but you need them just as much as they need you which is a big thing I think that um people get a little I'm not gonna say scared but I want to say uh I don't think nervous is a word either like they feel like they really have to impress it of course sell yourself don't get me wrong sell the shit out of yourself I'm all here for it but be able to pull back and let them know that they need you as well. And also when it comes to discussing salary, every single company is going to give you the lowest number ever. 
You need to always negotiate salary. I don't care if they tell you that that's like a firm offer. Like, well, if you know for a fact that that amount of money is not going to pay your bills and make you financially secure, you have to state that. And I know a lot of people get nervous when it comes to talking about money, but if you don't lay down what you need through the door, not what you want, but what you need in order to survive, like coming through the door, you're always going to have a complaint. You're always going to not feel um you know easy with the workload and you're always going to be pushing for a raise and once you get through the door we all know that raises are sometimes 50 cent a dollar two dollars so you're never going to get i'm not saying never it's going to take you a long time to get to even where you want to be within a raise if you're not very you know assertive coming through the door so some of my advice for getting your salary like to where you want to be is to be once up again transparent and very honest I let them know like you know um I appreciate your offer however financially that is not something that I'm able to do because um it will not leave me financially stable if you cannot give me financial stability and financial security I cannot give you my all as an employee because at work I'm going to be trying to figure out what I need to do after work in order to make up that income so that I can support myself. I want to be able to give you my all. I want to be able to give you all of me. If you need me to stay late, I can stay late. If you need me to come in early, I can come in early. But if you're in a position where you are not making enough money and you need to do something either before work or after work, how are you going to do that? How are you actually going to do that um, if they need you you know, to work overtime at some point? So transparency and letting them know, like, I can give you my all. I could be the best employee. I could be at your disposal. If you can give me financial security, then we got a deal. And don't be afraid to speak about it. Like, it is what it is. And you could put this in the form of an email. You could say this in front of your face. Sometimes the the pushback is like, oh, you know, we like to get people through the door and, you know, see how they kind of work first before we decide to give them a certain amount of money. Absolutely fine. Get that in writing and set your terms. Okay. After 30 days, can we review my performance? After 60 days, can we review my performance? And when that time comes, make sure you're on top of it. Cause some employers are like that. They don't want to, you know, invest in you and they don't know what your, what your work ethic is like. So that's absolutely fine, but just make sure you get it in writing. Make sure you have an email and make sure you're the one following up because they're not going to come to you like, hey, it's review time. I'm ready to give you some more money. Like, you have to be the one to show that, like, hey, this is what I need. This is what I want. And also after 30 to 60 days, you can also give them feedback on how you feel the position is. And then you'd also be able to tell them how much you feel like is needed. If you get into a position and the hours are super-duper crazy, the workload is really, really heavy, tell them that, like, hey, this is what I've noticed in this role for such and such time, and um, this is a lot of work. And I'm fine with it. I can handle this work, but this is what I need to be compensated, you know, based off of what I've um, observed and what I've gotten thus far. Now, when you are in some of these positions um, in the fashion industry and you find yourself being the only black girl, um, I have had a slew of offensive comments and things said to me that weren't funny at all. Sometimes I wanted to snap or clap back, which is like a normal reaction. And there are times where I'm like, oh, these people are just fucking stupid. Like, they've lost their mind. So um, there's a couple of different ways to deal with those type of situations. And trust me, I've been in many. And 
if you guys read that black and fashion article that was like 12 pages long you'd hear about so many different instances with uh with buyers merchandisers designers models like all the things that they've went through like in the workplace that um, a lot of them you know remained anonymous because they didn't want to share exactly who said what but it's very interesting um I remember being at um I'm trying to think what was I at? oh yes I'm not gonna say which employer it was but I was at an employer and um most of the production that I work on as a production manager is done in China so sometimes the Chinese factories do mess up so we had a um a factory that didn't package any of the goods um the way they were supposed to so we still have to send them to the buyer and the buyer at the time was Ross and Burlington so I end up repackaging all of the good well not all of the goods I repackaged like the TOP samples which is the type of production samples as well as the pre-production samples to make it look nice and presentable for the buyer in order to ship it and then I sent the information over to the factory like with the video on how to package it properly now one of the young ladies she was a white girl she said to me she's like oh you did it so perfectly. I wish you could just go over there and you could just package everything. And I'm just like, bitch, what? Like, why would I go over to China and package a whole bunch of goods? And I just thought it was so offensive because it's like, why don't why don't you go over and, pa and package all the fucking goods in China? Like, it was just so rude to me. And I didn't say that. I was like, I just, you know, politely was like, they can't afford me and neither could you. And I walked away. So I made it like a light of a joke. But I really was offended because, like, this first of all, this is not my job. This is something that I did to fix your ass from getting saved from the buyer and the buyer canceling their orders. And she probably didn't even think that it was disrespectful at all, but I did. And then I remember there was another time. It's we weren't. It's probably all fucked up anyway. I was at a, I was working at a retailer, and we decided that we wanted to like hit like a one hitter, like of weed. Like we were we were clocked out. We were clocked out. We were not at work, but we were still in the building. But we decided that we wanted to hit, like, this one hitter for, like, some weed. So we hit it. I think I hit it first. And then the, the white girl, she hit it after me. And she was like, ooh, you nigger lip the shit out of this hitter. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And she was just like, like, she's like, you know, kind of like how, like, black people's lips are like really big and like really wet and because we were off the clock I just had to let her ass fucking have it and I was just like first of all don't you ever in your life say nigga in front, in front of me ever again and second off like that is so fucking like a fucking stereotype that I'm just very very shocked that you would say that like that's like me telling you that you're from the trailer park like it just was some fucked up shit like and I was just like I couldn't believe she was like okay with saying it in front of two other black people the other black guy he didn't say nothing but he looked at me and we all looked at him and I was like what well, I don't know what she thought that was my response was going to be like you were going to say nigger in front of two black people and then we were going to be okay with it like are you fucking kidding me so there's different like us being off the clock and us not being around customers I felt the need to say what I had to say and best to believe she never ever said that word again in front of me doesn't mean that she's not going around saying it in front of her little white friends but I highly doubt it if she'll ever say it in front of anyone black again because I let her ass happen so the situations that we encounter are difficult. Um, I know there's been plenty of times where um, I know friends of mine that are in the fashion industry that have been overlooked for promotions. Um, there are some times where you are like is extremely, extremely like micromanaged in situations. And I don't think I've ever heard anyone losing their job for being um, transparent um, because technically they could be sued. Um, I have another story. I was... Um, working as a production manager 
And my boss, we actually, crazy thing is, we actually went to another city to do a trunk show, which is not in my job description, but they needed my help for the weekend. I went away for the weekend to D.C. to do this trunk show. And mind you, I still have a production going on in New York City that I have to, um, you know, manage. So I'm driving because my employer does not have a license and we're on the highway, but I'm talking to the factory because, you know, so when I get back to New York, I need to pick up these goods. So I'm asking her, you know, how um, will they be ready when I get back? And she's kind of like giving me like, oh, yeah, no, they're not going to be. And I have like uh, stores and like uh, customers that I have to ship these goods to. So I'm talking to her and I'm like, no, that's not what you said. You know, you told me it was going to be this day and it was on your board. Like I'd seen like when you write down all the calendar dates, it was on your board of like when our dates would like things would be done. So, you know, she's like, we'll try, we'll try and stuff like that. So, you know, I hang up the phone. My employer's sitting right next to me and she's like, what? what's going on? I'm like, you know, they're working on it. They're going to get everything done. And then um, she's like, well, this board that you were talking about, did you take a picture of it? And I'm like, no. Like, why would I take a picture of the board? Like, I know what the dates were. Like, I had everything written down in, like, my notes, but I didn't take a picture of, like, her board. And she's like, are you a fucking idiot? So, uh, mind you, I'm driving. I politely pressed down on the brakes and stopped the car in the middle of traffic. And I was like, who are you talking to? Well, I said, who the fuck are you talking to? Because she said, are you a fucking idiot? So, I'm like, who the fuck are you talking to? I'm like, that's very disrespectful. And um, do not call me out of my name. And I don't need to take a picture of a fucking board if I already have it all written now. And I'm very shocked that you would even think that, that was okay to say some shit like that to me anyway. Mind you, we just went ahead and re- like like <laughs> drove the rest of the way in fucking silence because she had clearly lost her mind. And then the following day, um, I did not come to work because she was rude as fuck. She had to call me and apologize to me. And then I went to work because at the end of the day, there's nothing. If someone says, I know that there, you probably heard some crazy shit. I've heard a lot of crazy shit. Um, and there's times where I've reacted and there are times where I have not reacted. And, just know when to and when not to. But in a situation like that, if someone is raising their voice and they're cursing at you, I feel the need to always give somebody the same type of energy they give me. The way I speak and the way I talk, I talk the same way to my family, to my friends, to my my employer. I am myself at all times. And I pride myself on being that. When I'm in an interview, I am the exact same way. I speak with an accent. Sometimes I have a little slang, but I'm letting you know from the get-go, this is what you're going to get. That does not work with every employer. Sometimes you got to turn on your little white girl voice and you got to be all, yes, and for sure. And yeah, this is the way we do this. And if you got to do that, fine. That's that's okay. But I just, I don't. I don't do that. I don't like doing that. And I will not do it because that's just not who I am. If you're going to hire me, hire me for me and who that I am. Um, one of the other reasons why I left Banana Republic was one of the same reason. Like I was who I was from the get go and they tried to change me and tried to correct me on some things that I would say. And I mean, I'm from Chicago. I say jury. They was like, you mean jewelry? No, I said, what the fuck I said? I said it was jury. Like, that's exactly what I said. She's like a court jury. Like I fucking said it's jury. Okay. So to me, yeah, I know I know that it's jewelry. I know how it's spelled. I know how to write it. I know how to read it. But I've been talking the same way for 29, well, I guess you start talking when you like two. So I've been talking the same way for 28 years. I'm not going to stop because I'm at a different, uh, I'm in a 
different setting. Like, this is who I am. And I think that customers and people appreciate people being who they are. I think it's very rude when employers tell black women to cut their nails or to, like, pull their hair back and stuff. And I don't think that anyone, which is hard to say, I know, should work in companies like this because get fucking real. Like, where in this earth did we decide that it was not okay to like wear your hair natural and not to like want to wear your nails with colors but that's an expression of who you are as a person and anytime anyone has tried to take that away from me I have politely declined and I never would I never would and I just want to like really inspire and like motivate people to be themselves and it's okay if a company is not the right company for you like everything is not meant for everybody and you have to know where to turn it on and turn it off I'm not like turn on and like turn off like yes this is right and this is gonna make me sane or it's not like especially like I said earlier like some place that you're gonna spend the majority of your time um I have worked with I had one job where it was like five of us black girls and when I tell you all every time we came by one another we were complaining to one another oh yeah and this bitch said this to me and oh yeah they're not paying me enough for this shit and it's just like well why be here that was one of the companies that I stayed at for six months because I didn't like it it was boring as hell it was socks and hosiery but it was boring as hell I was the only black person on my team and it was very interesting because uh, all the like each one of us black girls was in a different area. One person was in ticketing. One, uh, I think like two people were in design. One person was in production. Like we were all in different areas of the company. Um, I think another one of the girls was a. Uh, either in sales or like an executive assistant but when I tell you complaint after complaint after complaint I'm a person who believes in fixing your situation if you don't like it leave you don't understand how liberating it is to quit something and you're not a quitter you just decided something wasn't for you and that's actually okay and I just want to say that over it's okay it's okay it's okay like don't stay nowhere two years oh I gotta have this on my resume or it's a big name I want to have it on there fuck that like, the big name thing, I will leave. I don't care. I used to work for Carl Lagerfeld. I worked there, what, three months? I was like, yeah, that's not for me. Like, I don't like this. Like, you could work for a big name, and I get it. You want to put it on your resume. But what does that big name correlate to when you're fucking miserable every day? Like, seriously. Like, is that what you want? Like, just to have this name on your resume? You want to complain about your job? You want to uh, just be upset all the time I've I have met so many people who hate their fucking job and it, it it comes off on your employees and it comes off on like your co-workers and stuff like that which honestly like makes the entire work environment not in a good light so not even a good light like not like it doesn't make it like fun and like you like you wanted to be there so I basically say all that to say that when it comes to interviewing make sure that you're extremely transparent speak with vindiction in your voice so that they know that you are serious and that you know what you're talking about it's okay to bullshit a little bit on your resume I have definitely embellished and we all know when it comes to references everybody put their friend name down they tell them uh he was my manager and such and such and that's okay too like I have made uh, many a references and some amazing ones too but some fucking jobs I ain't never even stepped foot in but you do what you got to do so that you can succeed. And we all know that in this corporate world, they are all doing it. Everyone is, like, trying to find a way to climb to the top. And why should you not? Why shouldn't you climb your career to the top? You know, with, you know, like I said, a little embellishment, 
couple little lies, little bullshit, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it because we get it every day. Like we get it from our bosses. They feed us bullshit. They feed us lies. They manipulate us. We do it all the time. So there's nothing wrong with making sure that you look out for yourself. You know, I learned um, at, I think it was actually G3. And I'll put this out there. I got hired as a production associate. This is time to tell you how these companies are full of shit. You got to look out for yourself. I got hired as a production associate, and I think at the time I asked them for $50,000 for an associate level role, which is, that's workable for the workload. And the um, lady who hired me, the director of production, told me that she couldn't give me more than forty-five. And I was just like, well, at this point in my life, I really did need another job. So I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to take it. But I really needed that 50 in order to like, you know, actually be financially stable. So I get to work in there. I probably worked there like a couple weeks and then my checks got bigger. And I'm like, hmm, is this a fucking mistake or like should I say something? But I'm I'm impulsive. I went and asked HR. I'm like, yo, um, you know, my checks are bigger. I just wanted to know like what's going on. She's like, oh, well, we had to bump up your salary to 48.5. I'm like, really? It's a New York State law that if you are hired in an associate level role, the minimum they can give you is forty eight thousand five hundred dollars. But for the person that was hiring me, telling me, oh, I can't give you over forty five, it's a goddamn lie because you have to give me forty eight five at minimum. So I'm like, well, how long has this rule been into effect? And it had been into effect for a good six months. So I was like, oh, well, I've been. This was my start date. Are you gonna give me that back pay? And they like, oh, don't push it. And I'm like, no, I'm not pushing it. If the the law went into effect this day and you've been giving me 45 for the past month you need to give me that back pay because it's against the law and then they was like they was like startled because I guess they wasn't expected for me to say that shit but it's like in actuality you owe me some money and you're gonna give it to me like don't make it seem like you're doing me a favor by bumping it up bumping me up which is what they tried to make me do like make me feel like they were doing me a favor no it's the law I want my back pay and I want my money so if you have employers doing stuff like this to you like I said know your shit do your research, know what the laws are, and don't be afraid to push that envelope. I hope that I was able to give you all some good advice today. And if you guys have any questions about uh, just interviewing, applying, what to do in like certain situations at your job or how to ask for a raise, how to ask for a promotion, um, I have it all. I've done it all, and I've tenfold. So feel free to uh Send me an email at blackandfashionpodcast at gmail.com with any of you guys' questions. Um, you can always DM me and ask me. I'm all for giving advice and helping ones out. If you have any specific topics that you want me to discuss on the podcast, I'd be more than happy to do so. So I hope that this was informative. I hope you got a little bit of laugh and a little bit of inspiration and a little bit of motivation. And I will see you guys in two weeks. Have a happy holidays. You guys can keep up with me via all social media channels. My handle is Lenise Collier. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, you name it. You can also check out my brand um, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram under Collier Bateen. Please feel free to send me messages, write comments, give me your feedback. I would love to hear from you guys. And once again, thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Have a good one. Black. What you look at? My skin is 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 black. What you look at? My skin is